And welcome back to Bandora's Palace, a tokusatsu podcast, home to monsters in rubber suits, heroes in full body spandex, and giant robots made of other smaller giant robots. I'm Steven. And I'm Pat. And we will be your guides into the campy and awesome world of tokusatsu. Today, we'll be heading back to the secret underground dinosaur shrine for episode 5 of Kyoru Sentai Zero Ranger. Um, let's just take a moment. I feel like every every so often we probably ought to just take a take a hot sec uh, just in case somebody has picked up this show for the first first time. And this is your first episode. Um, so if this if that's you, if this is your first episode, if you're picking up the show for the first first time. Hello and welcome. We're happy to have you. Um, our show is a rewatch podcast for the tokusatsu genre. Um, and specifically, at least currently, we are focusing on Japanese tokusatsu, particularly at the moment, Super Sentai and its American adaptation Power Rangers. So currently we are watching simultaneously Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season one and the Sentai season that it is adapted from Kyoryu Sentai Z Ranger. This is a rewatch show, which means it is episodic. We are watching these shows episode by episode and discussing them. Um, so if you're just now picking it up, you might actually want to hop back. This is episode nine. Uh, episode one is where we kicked off with episode one of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Or if you are only interested in the Sentai, we started episode one of Z Ranger in episode three. Um, so be sure to check that out. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I will try to make sure when these actually go up that the the episode titles pretty clearly illustrate like at, at, at least which season they're tied to, if not what the episode number is from the title. So yeah, welcome. I hope you stick around. I hope you enjoy. And if you don't give a shit, then just listen to this one. We'll make some funny jokes. It'll be fine. Whatever. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Now today's episode is a ZU Ranger episode, and I am so incredibly grateful for that. I, I love Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you guys. You might not think it after last week, but I <laughs> promise you, I really do love Power Rangers, but it was breaking my brain last week, uh, and I'm ready for something that at least tries to make a little bit of sense within its own continuity. Now, today's episode is Scary Riddles, or Koai Nazanazo. Probably butchered that. Sorry. Uh, it aired initially on March 13th, 1992. Uh, this episode was written by Noboru uh, Sujimura, has, as has been every episode up to this point, in a pretty stark contrast from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is seemingly had a, a new writer every episode or every other episode. Uh, and it was directed by Newcomer to this series, Taro Sakamoto. And I was actually really excited, Pat, when I saw that name because I recognized that name. He directed a good third to half of Power Rangers Wild Force. 
So a director who has been on both sides of the Sentai coin, which is pretty exciting. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Now, as a quick recap, where we last left our Z Rangers, uh, they had retrieved their legendary weapons, defeated the Dora Minotaur with their new howling cannon, saved young Hiroshi and his mom, and successfully escaped from literal Christian hell before Bandora blew it up. That is going to be a, a pretty hard act to follow, I think. Uh, what about you, Pat? Is there anything in particular that you'd like to get out of this episode? Um. I'm not entirely sure. We've we've gone through the villain introduction. We've gone through the hero introduction. Maybe it's time to to kind of dive deeper into our heroes and as as individuals, really, you know, kind of flesh out their personalities and their characters. Yeah, like I feel like frequently, if not always, Sentai kind of follows like the Sentai and Power Rangers kind of follow the general show structure of like a good shonen anime. And, you know, you have your, your, your macro plots and your micro plots. And the last four episodes have definitely been macro episodes. Like they have been plot on the large scale, establishing the world, the villains, the stakes, the weapons, the powers, all of that stuff. Um, and I, I am definitely, I'm with you. I'm ready for some good micro plot, like some good, like character focus and development and interaction. We've gotten a lot of that in Power Rangers conversely. And I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully get into some of that here. Hopefully this episode will be the start of that. I, I guess we'll see. That we will. Now, as always, today's episode and the entirety of Kyoru Sentai Z Ranger are available streaming online for free on Shout Factory TV at shoutfactorytv.com. And I promise you, this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, and it is absolutely worth the admission price, which is, again, zero dollars. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump in to today's episode, Scary Riddles. ワンワーです。レディーズアンドジェントルメン。ウルトラ謎の世界へようこそ。謎の謎に全問正解すれば世界旅行をプレゼントだ。ただし、10秒以内に答えられなければ失効。じゃあ行くよ。第1問。木は
And this little boy, to his credit, is clearly, like, not comfortable with what's happening, but also apparently just loves fucking riddles. Uh, He thinks for a moment, starts to answer that it's to the left, and then catches himself and corrects himself. No, a horse's tail always points down. To which the strange faux Egyptian man pulls out a cartoon picture of a horse with its tail pointed down and praises him for his correct answer. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Kids intelligent. He got yeah. got the right answer. Yeah, I mean, kids do genuinely enjoy riddles, from my experience. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you. So the guy laughs his creepy laugh again, and he says that it seems like the boy likes riddles. Before yelling for fanfare in English, he he calls for fanfare. Uh, he waves his crook, and suddenly they are on like a stage, not the concrete stage from last episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but it's like like a pagoda, and they're up on the the platform. And the boy is seated in a large wooden chair with a large, prominent clock on top. And the man says, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ultimate Riddle Championship. If you can answer them all correctly, you will win a trip around the world. However, if you can't answer in 10 seconds, you lose. Little ominous that that he doesn't say what you lose. I mean, it sounds like any other game show. That's fair, I guess. Normally, like, you don't, like get thrown uh, into the moat when you, you lose on fucking family feud. So that's, that's fair. Uh, so riddle number one is what kind of air flies in the air? And the little boy gives the answer that it is an airplane. And this grown man in his weird Egyptian clothes goes, bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> correct. <laughs> and once I'm again, sorry, that, that'll get me every time. It's, it's, it's so much. I, I really, I really love this guy. Uh, he, he is putting his heart and soul into this weird role and it's the best. It, um, it's amazing. <laughs> he does such a good job. But yeah, that is correct. Once again, the guy pulls out a cartoon picture, this time of an airplane and we get riddle number two. What kind of wheel do you need to drive a car? And this wasn't new. I went back and checked, but at this point, this is the first time I noticed that his like Egyptian shepherd's crook has a microphone on the end of it. Um, so he is like literally like if you make a Venn diagram between Richard Dawson on Family Feud and like King Tut, he is just right in the middle. He is just what if a pharaoh was also a game show host? It's awesome. It's it's such a perfect combination. It's very good. Uh, but the little boy gives the answer, which is a steering wheel. Uh, correct cartoon picture. Bing bong, bing bong. So we get riddle number three, uh, four in the morning, two in the afternoon, three in the evening. What is it? And the little boy thinks, and he gives the answer of a ghost. This time we did not get bing bong, bing bong. We get brr, brr, wrong. Uh, and this is worded. Oddly, probably because of like the the translation, but like this is a, a variation of like a very classic riddle, a very classic Sphinx riddle, actually. Uh, and the answer is a human being. When we're born, we crawl on all fours. When we grow up, we walk on two legs. And when we are old, we walk with a cane or three legs. And suddenly this man goes from being like silly and kind and genuinely excited to angry and aggressive, like at the drop of a hat. Um, he calls this kid a loser and tells him to fly away. And then we see that, of course, this strange Egyptian man is King Sphinx or Dora Sphinx in ZU Ranger continuity. Uh, he spins around, he turns into his monster form, and he uses his big wings to blow this child away up into the sky before cackling his weird evil laugh. Um, also, 
I don't know if I was just too frustrated at this episode of Mighty Morphin or if it is the specific shots they use or if the film quality degraded or fucking what. But I feel like the costume of Dora Sphinx is way more visually impressive in this episode than it was in its correlating episode of Mighty Morphin. Like there's there's hieroglyphs on the chest. Like it looks old, but not like shabby. Like it looks aged um, in a way that I didn't notice in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode. And I just, I thought it was really neat. Now that you mention it, it does kind of look more like better defined. Yeah. And, and like, I'm not sure if it's just like the the shots that show it that way are ones that didn't get used or, or like, I'm not, I'm not sure where the problem is. And maybe I should go back and watch that episode of Power Rangers again to see if there really is a problem there or if it's all in my head. But it, it's definitely something that struck me. But yeah, King Sphinx fades away at this point and we see him reappear back in his human form and presumably like later in the day, uh, giving his riddle challenge to a different child. Same chair, but in a different place. Uh, and this time, Dora Sphinx uh, is sitting on a concrete pillar that appears to be like a part of some type of infrastructure, but there's like, it's almost like ductwork, but wavy. And like, it's, it's like way high in the air. Like, I don't know if this is like supposed to be like an aqueduct system or if it's like a modern art installation. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's, it's a thing. It looks too shabby to be art. And that's why I think it's probably industrial. It's weird. So we come in on this kid getting riddle number two. So we've already missed riddle number one, but his riddle number two is the tighter it gets, the hotter it is. What is it? And the little boy answers beef buns, but he is wrong. Burr, burr. The correct answer is a dog pile. And this one took me a minute because the cartoon picture he holds up is a bunch of kids that are like backing into a corner, like almost like they're afraid of something. And like it's foreshadowing. Given that context, I thought when he said a dog pile that he was talking about dog shit. <laughs> and that they were like, oh, gross and backing away from it. And I was like, that's really nasty. But like, I rewound it and watched it again. And like, he 100% means like a football dog pile, like people piling on top of each other. But that's not what the kids in the picture are doing. It's just, it's strange. I'm glad it wasn't a dog poop joke, though. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, the tighter it gets, the hotter it gets. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I'm never going to think anything but. Yeah, obviously. Now, once again, Dora Sphinx gets angry. He calls this kid a loser, goes monster mode, and blows him away. So we have now fully established Dora Sphinx's MO. Show up, ask some riddles, love you like you're his own child as long as you are good at riddles. And the second you get one wrong, murder you. That's that's what he does. Uh, and at this point, we freeze and we get the title shot. So after the title shot, we cut to a busy street in a crowded commercial district of the city. Uh, there are shops everywhere. There is very prominently a McDonald's sign. Uh, and we see that Dan and boy are out shopping. Dan immediately sees some pretty girls and stops to harass them because just when you think Dan can't possibly get any worse, he finds a way to surprise you. Damn it, Dan. <laughs> so boy ushers him away and is like hey we have important work like we should get back to which dan replies that bandora's got to be too embarrassed from getting her ass beat last time to dare show her face right now which dan i'm not sure you're remembering that properly bud she blew up hell <laughs> yeah that's um that would definitely be something to put on a resume 
And, and Dan continues, besides, we just woke up from a 170 million year sleep. Let's have some fun. Which, okay, Dan, that actually does seem like it's probably fair. Uh, he then immediately runs away to harass more girls, though. So good to know that he's still fucking gross. Damn it, Dan. <laughs> so so boy chases after him and we fade to black and we come back on geki and without any sort of explanation geki in his red jacket and his bright white pants is alone in some desert we get like the wavy heat lines on the camera to show us that like this is dangerous this is not a place where he should be uh, and he's stumbling and he ultimately falls and he starts calling for someone before we start hearing a voice growing louder calling his name and it's may and she wakes him up he was in the the secret underground dino shrine and he was having a dream so may asks him if he's all right and says he was moaning in his sleep and geki seems like genuinely relieved that he's awake and it was a dream uh, he tells her that he's been having the same nightmare over and over again lately and she replies that it, it must be from exhaustion they've been battling bandora nonstop without rest uh, so geki asks her where where are dan and boy to which may responds that they went out and haven't come back because they're slackers which I feel like is maybe character assassination of boy at this point, right? Boy has been incredibly diligent. Dan is the dirt worst piece of shit on this team and deserves that level of scorn. I don't know if she was being super serious about it, though, calling them slackers. It the way her face looked kind of looked more like it was a, a joking like, oh, those slackers. Maybe, but I'm sorry, I am team boy. Boy works very hard. I, I am also team boy. He deserves some respect on his name. <laughs> yes, very much team boy. Get Dan out of my face. Yes, uh, Sagoshi runs in and he tells Geki that Bandora is on the move and we get a good standing Nani out Nani? of Geki. <laughs> <laughs> so Goshi continues that six children have gone missing recently and and monsters have been spotted in those locations. And, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Also, children have been spotted flying in the air, which is clearly not normal. I would hope not. And at this point, we cut up to Bandora's palace on the moon and we get an aerial shot of Bandora with Pleprechaun, Bookback, Topat, and Dora Sphinx back in his human form. And they're dancing. They are dancing in a circle while Griff Razor, like, takes a nappy nap on the stairs nearby. It is the weirdest and most uncanny thing I've seen in this show yet, as they are basically, like, doing a line dance just in a circle. I've done this dance before. <laughs> back in the, the young school days. So they, they do their ring around the rosy and they all fall down. Uh, and Bandora gloats that all children love riddles. So she'll take them away with riddles. Then she says, because I kissed it. And Topat is like, what did you kiss, Bandora? Which, yeah. Fair question. And she's just like, you should know. Stop the music. Okay. Uh, like, I'm not sure if something is lost in translation here or if this is, like, legitimately hinting at future character development to come. I guess we will find out. So then, Bandora walks directly to the camera with Pleprechaun and Dora Sphinx, like, on either shoulder, like, mean mugging the camera behind her. L like, she's, a uh, like, a, a 90s rapper and they're her posse. And she swears, looking directly in your eyes as the audience, she swears to Lord Satan of Hell that she will kidnap many children. And it's like, dude, you blew up his house, like, yesterday. <laughs> Y'all aren't friends anymore. I'm pretty sure she said she kissed Satan. 
Oh, oh, is oh, is that what she was getting at? She kissed a Satan and she liked it? I, I guess so. That would explain how she was able to get so big in the land of despair. I mean, shit, get yours, Bandora. Like, fucking independent ass woman. Hell yeah. Damn uh, straight. <laughs> <laughs> so this startles Griffy, as it should. And she continues that when children suffer, the adults will panic. And that when they vanish, the humans will perish. Which, she had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie, but I feel like there are some steps missing from this plan. It's like one of those, like, step one, kidnap the children. Step two, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step three, profit. Like, those question marks are important. (laughs) I think I understood, like, the macro version of it. Step one, kidnap kids. Step two, no more people to grow old. Step three, people already growing old die. Step four, profit. Yeah, but Bandora is not patient. (laughs) No. Like, killing off the human race by taking all of their children and letting them go extinct is not really her M.O. But maybe that's legitimately what it is. Maybe Satan told her to do it. Maybe. Maybe Satan is just like, fuck them kids. Um, (laughs) But but she does continue that she hates children anyway, and she loves to see them cry and hear them scream. And and this tracks, you know, Evil Witch and all that. Like, we've we've all heard Hansel and Gretel. We know what this do. Yep. And... Pleprechaun asks her why. He's like, is there a specific reason that you hate children? And Bandora gets angry at him visibly for the first time in this show. She balls and raises a fist at him and tells him to shut up, which is entirely out of character for Bandora to Pleprechaun. This would be right at home for Rita, but this, she is not Rita and he is not Fenster. And this is weird. It it was very much a like a backward set of character development. Uh, not development, but... You know, they were definitely going against their established character. Yeah, it was very clear that Pleprechaun struck a nerve. What that nerve is, we'll find out eventually, I'm sure. But yeah, we're not there yet. She drops it, though. And as she turns around, she's all smiles as she turns to Doris Finks uh, and charges him to take more children with his riddles. Um, he gives her a little salute and he agrees. And we cut back to earth where Dan and boy are watching children play on a playground. Now, Dan is immediately bored and wants to leave. He's like, why are we here? This is dumb. I'm going. But boy is like, no, like monsters keep showing up in the evening and attacking children. It is evening. There are children here. We need to be here. And, and he also mentions that the other ZU Rangers are also out watching other playgrounds. And Dan's like, well, yeah, like, that's important. But remember earlier when I, I kept bugging women who were just trying to go about their day? Uh, one of them agreed to date me when I cornered her in public. So I got to go do that. And he just, like, runs away being like, got to go call this girl. You better stay. You were told not to leave. Bye. And with every fiber of my soul, fuck Dan. I hate Dan. Hate is a very strong word, but damn it, Dan, I hate Dan. I understand that this is the early 90s. It is an era before cell phones. And like, like I I, I get being young and horny and, and being like, got, got to get that girl, though. Got to get that girl, though. Dan, you have been frozen for 170 million fucking years. You have nothing in common with these people, likely not even DNA. Fucking do your job. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, I get it. You like comics, but like, fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) So boy like gives up and he turns around and all the children are gone because of course, in the time that Dan was being a fuck and distracting him, Dora Sphinx came and we hear his creepy laugh. And 
We hear him before we see him. As Dora Sphinx asks, there are five deep fried tofu. A bird came and dropped one. How many are left? As he slides down the slide on the playground equipment, stopping in about the middle. And boy, like, boy isn't playing this game. He's just like, who are you? And Dora Sphinx is just like, oh, my bad. I thought you were a little boy, which is both hilarious and rude. Uh, <laughs> and we cut to Bandora on the moon, who shouts to Dora Sphinx that boy is, in fact, a ZU ranger. And Dora Sphinx should still get him. And Dora Sphinx is, like, genuinely excited as he slides down the rest of the slide. He's like, oh, a ZU ranger. Uh, and he calls for boy to answer his riddle. And boy... Boy is not a smart lad. He tries initially. He starts doing some math on his fingers, but is quickly just like, stop messing around. You're clearly the monster who's kidnapping children. And he just like he he does the only math that boy is capable of, which is the math of one fist plus one face equals give me my children back. Uh, and, <laughs> and Doris Sphinx just teleports away, points to the clock on his chair and is like, you're running out of time. Five more seconds. So we get the four, three two one burp did you think the correct answer was four the correct answer is six the bird dropped one so it added one extra and we get a picture of a bird and six squares of tofu with a big five plus one equals six at the bottom uh, and once again dora sphinx just negging the shit out of everyone you are such a loser does the spin, we get the monster form, he goes flap flap, and boy tries his best to hold on to the playground equipment to resist the wind, as Dan finally shows back up, just in time to, to hear boy yell to him that this is the monster taking the kids, and to fly away. And Dan just yells in frustration. The boy did his best. Have you ever tried to, like, hold on to one of those when someone's, like, you're getting pushed off? Those things are not easy to hold on to. The, the running theme of this episode is just the frustration of just being like, stop trying to punch him. It doesn't work. Just, like, do the fucking riddle, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, but we cut to the dino shrine, and Dan is there, and he is big mad. He is blaming himself. And yes, Dan, it is 100% your fault, you slimy piece of shit. The other rangers and Barza are all gathered around as Dan just kind of yells and punches stone pillars. Uh, and Barza interjects that this monster must be a sphinx, uh, an ancient monster who loved riddles and devoured those who couldn't answer correctly. Worth noting, though, he doesn't think that this is like an ancient Egyptian sphinx. He clarifies uh, that he believes that Bandora must have been inspired by the original sphinx and created one of her own. So this is... At least theoretically, one of Plepricon's mud monsters. It is not like some ancient evil that she has recruited. I'm not sure if that's going to be like a major point of distinction. I guess we'll find out in part two. But yeah, uh, Goshi cuts right to the point and he just asks, how do we kill it? To which Barza replies, I don't know. But if you can't answer his riddle correctly, he'll blow you away. So maybe answer his riddle correctly, which is the best advice they are going to get in this entire episode. May basically responds that that's not an actionable plan. They can't just keep answering riddles right forever. And Goshi points out that uh, the important question is where the children and boy are. And at this point, Dan just snaps and he takes off running for the door. Geki stops him and asks him where he's going. And he says he has a plan. He will answer the riddles wrong on purpose to see where boy and the children are, which 
is maybe the dumbest plan I have ever heard. How will you communicate this information back to your friends, Dan? You're certainly not more competent than Boy is. Uh, and like, what the fuck is your end game? You're just going to be trapped with Boy. It's self-pity. If I get trapped, then I it's not my fault. Yeah, um, so Geki tells him that he's being selfish again, which, yes, 100%, Geki, you are correct. But Dan's just like, it's my fault, gotta go. Uh, Goshi points out that the team is falling apart, which, like, yeah, kinda. Uh, and Geki, like, starts to chase after Dan to try to stop him, but he grows weak and he falls over into a pillar. And once again, at least in his mind, he is back weak and dehydrated in the desert. He wakes up to Goshi and May standing concerned over him, and he shakes it off, says it's nothing, that they should go find Dan. Which, under other circumstances, I would say, like, maybe you leave Geki at home and let Barza check him out. But, like, they're already kind of fucked, and we're, like, ten minutes into this episode. So, like, yeah, you, you kind of do need Geki. Like, there's not a lot to be done about it. Yeah, it's definitely an all-hands-on-deck situation. Yeah, because the rest of your hands are fucking incompetent and go get captured on purpose. Fair. <laughs> so we cut to commercial, and when we come back, Geki, Goshi, and Mei are out on their motorcycles looking for Dan, who immediately flies overhead above them, yelling for them. So apparently he found Dora Sphinx, and by the dumbest of dumb luck, is actually able to guide his friends where the captives go, because they happened to be in the right place at the right time. Not a great plan. Yeah, not not the best plan, but but even a even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> they follow him into a forest and they lose track of him and they're yelling for Dan and boy and they start hearing voices seemingly coming from everywhere and nowhere at once just yelling help us. May hears him first, which I think helps uh, helps establish her as like the empath of the group, like the I guess the emotion of the group, the heart, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and like from the from the whole two Sentai series I've seen at this point, that that tends to be true of female rangers. Like in in Die Ranger, um, their female ra ranger Rin is definitely like she's not the strongest fighter, but she has the strongest chi, and like they are the magical ones, the magical girls, if you will. But yeah, so so May initially, and then all three of them hear these voices, and they're looking around frustrated, trying to figure out where they're coming from. And Geki gets a flash of inspiration, and he puts his ear up to a tree in front of him, and. We see the outline of the first little boy from the beginning of the episode banging on the inside of the tree. So Geki has figured it out. Dora Sphinx has turned them all into trees. Uh, Goshi finds the Dan tree. May finds the boy tree. They have figured it out. And at this point, we hear the creepy Dora Sphinx laugh as he materializes high up in the trees and confirms that, yes, all the children and their friends are trees. They're alive, of course, but that's only a matter of time. And he points to some nearby signs indicating that they will soon be starting construction on a golf course here on this site. So Dora Sphinx's plan was to turn everyone into trees in an area where they will be cut down and thus murdered by unwitting construction workers, which is exactly the right amount of extra and dumb that I love in my villain plots. I eat this shit up. This is a grade A, like, fucking Sentai villain plot right here. I mean, I thought it had pretty good merit. Like, how do you, how do you demoralize the parents of these children? You kidnap the children and then make them kill them themselves. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. It's just it's there's so many like steps where it can fail, and that's kind of the, the whole thing, right? But that's that is the genre, and and Dora Sphinx 
starts going on a rant about how adults don't even think of making playgrounds for children, but they won't hesitate a bit to cut a bunch of trees down for their own amusement. They'll kill their children with their own hands. And he says this like it's this profoundly deep thought and huge irony. But of course, adults think of building playgrounds for kids. Where does he think playgrounds come from? Does he think kids are building them for themselves? I hope that something was lost in translation here, because as it is, like, there is no point to what he's saying. He's just, he's like that college philosophy major who, like, just quotes random bullshit at you trying to sound deep, but really he's just a dumb fuck. That is Dora Sphinx in this scene. Yeah, I, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the rangers rush in to punch him and he teleports again. This is really unfortunate. He is one monster who appears to be immune to punching. And that is the primary MO uh, of fucking Sentai Rangers. He taunts that soon they will also all be trees and also be killed as they run in for another failed attempt to clean his clock. And you would think they would be like a little bit more cautious the second time around, like knowing that this guy likes to to, to boop around and we might hit nothing but air but like goshi just goes for a straight up fucking jump kick like zero sense of self-preservation here he is so lucky he did not crack his dome yeah he went he went over the cut tree and it's like bro you're I, it was a great hurdle but like there's a tree directly behind the guy <laughs> you're trying to hit and you know he freaking disappears It's a lot. It is a whole lot. Um, So Dora Sphinx calls for another riddle championship. And suddenly they are all in that outdoor like cement amphitheater from episode four of Mighty Morphin. Bookback and Topat teleport into the stands to watch. And Dora Sphinx declares that May is his first contestant. And Geki tells her to run so far that she can't hear him, which given what they know of this monster is not a horrible plan yeah like if you can't hear the riddle will he still try to punish you for not answering like what rules is this thing bound by like even if it loses them may they would get so much information from this plan that that might like be worthwhile at this point so like good job geki that was really fucking smart but May refuses and just rushes right in because she is not here to fuck around. This thing has her friends and some kids and she's going to fuck him up. And Geki goes to follow and help, but putties form between the Rangers and May, separating them. The ground punch. <laughs> yes. The ground punch. I love it so much. They just kind of look down and it's like, what the hell is that? And this little, this little mud man just creates itself and then they just get punched in the jaw. Yeah, they they start like doll sized and then grow into human size fist first and punch them in the face. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So the the putties are now here. They're all fighting putties and and Goshi and Geki uh, go for the dino bucklers and they change and everyone is now fighting putties. Uh, Goshi and Geki as Z Rangers and May at first just May is just fighting these putties and, and doing a pretty good job. Like, May is not the fighter of the team, but she's holding her own. But it quickly becomes clear that, like, she's building a little bit of separation so that she can transform as well. So I think this supports my theory from the earlier episode that the reason they were using their dino buckles as brass knuckles uh, is because they were looking to get a little bit of room so they've got a second to transform. Because that definitely seems like it's what, what May is going for here. Yeah, it seems seems pretty likely that that's, that's the way it's going. Yeah, which I I like that that's at least a little bit consistent. I think that's pretty neat. And at this point, Dora Sphinx starts the clock and he gives her riddle number one. What 
kind of bird does always have his double in the middle. And May has no idea. And is also distracted because the putties are still attacking her. She is still fighting putties, which is maybe not the best way to run a game show. And in fairness to May, I also have no idea, although it turns out that the reason for that is because this is a a Japanese language pun specifically. It has to do with the kanji. And yeah, it just doesn't translate. So the, uh, most of the riddles we've had in this episode, like I've guessed the answer to this one, I had no fucking idea. Yeah, I had I had no idea. I kind of got it once uh, once it was spelled out. Owl, O-W-L, it has the double in the middle. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I, I don't like it, but uh, I, I don't know. I, it still seemed like from the way the sign is displayed, it specifically had to do with the kanji, but maybe not. Maybe that is it. And it's just, I just didn't get it. It's fine. I don't get everything. But yeah, so May is fighting and Geki's just like yelling for her to answer the fucking riddle. Don't get turned into a tree like half our friends already have. But she just doesn't know. She guesses at the last second that it's a crow and she gets booed because she's wrong. The correct answer, as Pat said, is owl. And Doris Finks tells her she's a loser. He does his flap flap and blows her away to turn into a tree. He spins back into his human form and now it is Goshi's riddle time. Um, so riddle number one for Goshi is what do you twist without your hands? And this right here, this is when we get that cool shot of Goshi grabbing one of the putties by the head and flipping it. It is fucking radical. Uh, Goshi is just the best. <laughs> Goshi, best boy. I love Goshi. And he he answers your head. And I'm not sure if he really thought the riddle through or if he's just like, ha, I just dunked on your head. But either way, <laughs> bing bong, bing bong. He's absolutely right. Book back and Topat applaud and Goshi gets riddle number two. Uh, and riddle number two is what is convenient if you put it below, but it's in the way if you put it above. And Goshi had enough patience for exactly one riddle, and that is gone. So he just jumps in to punch Dora Sphinx, uh, but Dora Sphinx teleports away. So instead, Goshi punches Book back, and he gets knocked into Topat, and they just kind of flail all over each other for a second. It's that it's that nice scene from Mighty Morphin where it's just like Zack just gets mad and goes and punches Squat and Babu in the face. Only like <laughs> now, now at least there's a little bit of a reason he wasn't just being like, "Nah, fuck this guy." Uh, <laughs> I mean. Either way is understandable. Yeah, yeah, fuck squat. <laughs> but Dor Doris Sphinx is now in his chair on the stage, and he repeats the riddle. What's convenient if you put it below, but it's in the way if you put it above. Five seconds remaining. And we cut to Geki, who is so frustrated, and he's just yelling for Goshi to answer the fucking riddle. But two, one, zero, boo! And at this point, Goshi shouts out a desk pad, which he means like a notebook. And that is the right answer. He got it right. But because he was so busy trying to take this Sphinx to Punchtown, he's too late. Spin, flap, flap, tree time for your boy Goshi. No. And now Geki, Geki, who has been exhausted and hallucinating all episode, is alone and it's riddle time, baby. So Geki gets riddle number one. What kind of trees grows on your body? And as when it was May's turn, the putties do not give a single fuck that it is riddle time. They are still very much attacking you, boy. And Geki, like, fights him off and he thinks for a second before answering a palm tree, which, bing bong, bing bong, he's correct. And at this point, all of the putties are laid out. It is just Geki and Doris Sphinx remaining, uh, which means that Geki can actually, like, gather what mental faculties he has left and focus. And riddle number two is, what kind 
of car is trash. Geki answers a junk and bing bong bing bong. That's right. But like something has to be lost in translation there because like, yes, junkers are a thing. But like, like at the end of the day, that, that riddle is basically like, what kind of car is bad? A bad car. Like, that's not a riddle. It's not clever. It's just words. <laughs> it, it wasn't a good riddle. But it's only, what, the second one for Geki? Th- that's true. And again, I'm guessing that it's probably more of a pun in Japanese. Probably. We get riddle number four. Because fuck three. I have no idea what happened to riddle number three, but that's fine. Maybe he got to pick up where Goshi left off. Maybe they were answering their riddle challenge collectively as a group. So maybe Geki started at number two. But for riddle number four, he gets, what kind of door is always in front of everything? Uh, Geki answers the front door and bing bong, bing bong. Geki is right. And at this point, Dora Sphinx, he's in his human form and he is literally shaking with excitement. He is so happy and excited that Geki is good at riddles. Like whatever evil he is or is from or is capable of, like he clearly takes like genuine joy in riddles and their mastery to the point of distraction. And Bookback and Topat are still applauding from the audience. And then Doris Fink says, now this is the hardest one. Riddle number five. Is it true that there is no absolute in the world? And Geki thinks, like does full like forefinger and thumb on the chin in his ranger helmet thinking as the clock ticks down. Five, four, three, two, and finally Geki answers, there is, there is an absolute in this world. Justice is absolute no matter what. And Dora Sphinx declares, wrong, you're wrong, that's evil. Evil always wins. Which, I am not going to argue the semantics of this particular philosophical argument here, but Geki, my man, you seem clearly very intelligent. Why did you think that justice was the answer that this evil Dora monster was fucking looking for? He had to stick to his brand. Yeah, he, he has a brand and he's going to ride it off into the sunset. Uh, but Geki is, is sticking to his guns. He just basically goes, no, you, you're the one who's wrong. And Dora Sphinx is all, I'll show you. And now it's fight time. And I love this because Dora Sphinx has not fought in this episode. He has specifically avoided any and all physical confrontation. Uh, he's teleported away from every single ranger who has tried to attack him and stuck to his, his riddles and his magic to win. But again, he is obsessed with these riddles and Geki telling him you are wrong. You have the wrong answer has enraged him beyond the point of reason. And it's, it's consistent guys, this monster, this monster of the week has a character and a motivation and it is consistent. And I could, I could kiss the man who wrote this episode. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, I'm here for it. Like, it's really, it's really interesting that he doesn't, you know, like you said, he didn't uh, do any sort of physical confrontation until his, his answer is challenged. Once his, the answer that he gives as the answer to the riddle is challenged, then, and only then, does he actually get into a fight, almost like it's a fight about ideals. Yeah, like, this is 100%. He is defending his honor as the Riddle Master, and it's fucking dope. <laughs> so Dora Sphinx blasts Geki with staff lasers, and, and now they are fighting, like, for real. Like, sword to crook, weird staff sword fight. 
It is interesting. I, I think you pointed this out initially, Pat, when we were chatting, but, um, when, when Doris Fink starts launching his staff lasers, like they are spherical. Like they are, I don't think they are eyeballs. Like they're just like circles, but it seems pretty clear that it is the effect of Dora Skeleton's eyeball laser beams just reused and, and made to not be eyeballs anymore. I'm going to go back and check if they're eyeballs. I want to know. It was really quick, so I can't say for certain, but I do think that's, like, a, a really good, like, efficient use of assets, because, like, Dora Skeleton used that attack fucking once, and I guarantee you it took somebody some time and some effort and some money to make it, so fucking get that value. Yeah. Good job, Toei. So, we get the shot from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode of them jumping up in the middle of fighting and landing in the desert and rolling down the cliff. And they're immediately back to sword fighting. Dora Sphinx gets Deki pinned down on the ground and drives down with his staff. And things are looking real grim for your boy Geki, but he manages to kick him off and regain his feet. And like, Geki has like the, the soot on the, the big white diamond in the middle of his suit. Like he's panting, like, he is clearly fucked up at this point. Like, this is a hard fight. He wasn't exactly in the best condition to start with, either. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if, like, his repeated mental trips to the fucking desert have not done anything to him physically, they certainly haven't been great for, like, his restfulness or his mental state. Which, like, yeah, if you're waking up from nightmares every single night and getting, like, three good hours of REM sleep, like, yeah, you're not going to be at your best, right? So we we fade to black and we cut to Bandora on the moon, who's calling for the evil spirits that sleep in the ground to give more power to Dora Sphinx, and she throws her staff, and we get the classic... Magic wand, make my monster grow. Although Bandora doesn't actually say that, but it's that sequence. And now we have a big Dora Sphinx because when you make out with Lord Satan of hell, the evil spirits in the ground fucking hook you up, I guess. <laughs> but, but Dora Sphinx is stomping his feet at poor small Geki uh, all alone. And, and, this is where this episode kind of goes off the rails because like we got these sequences in the Mighty Morphin episode. I felt like I had a pretty good handle on where it was going, although it does feel a little late in this particular one for any crystal based shenaniganry. But I didn't expect Geki summons Guardian Beast Tyrannosaurus, which of course he does. There's a giant monster. You summon your giant guardian, but I didn't expect it because it does not happen in the Power Rangers episode. But he absolutely does. And Tyrannosaurus comes. He we he summons him and Geki jumps up to go to unite with him. But Tyrannosaurus says no. He doesn't let him in. He blasts him with eye beams and Geki goes flying away. Which I'm going to be real interested to see like what this is about. But Tyrannosaurus, buddy, you got some splaining to do right now. Because uh, my man Geki did nothing to deserve them eye beams. But Geki lands on his back in the desert, and it is the desert of his recurring nightmare. He is alone and lost and wandering the desert as the narrator spells out the stakes, and we get cut-in shots of the children and the other rangers trapped in trees, and we get a big to-be-continued. 
we've seen these Rangers in some like some pretty tough spots. I think on for most of the cliffhangers that we've had for these first three two parters now, I think this is the single most dire spot they have ever been in. Like four of the five of them are out of commission, and Geki is is lost, exhausted, and terrified. I am so excited to see where they go from here. Yeah, me too. Like seeing the end of this and seeing Tyrannosaurus just like deny Geki at all when you know Tyrannosaurus was summoned to help defend against big bad monster like and then you'd see him wake up or get thrown to the desert from his hallucinations it's like what's going on why is this happening where do we go from here yeah um what are your final thoughts Pat final thoughts um fuck Dan first off (laughs) that is that is also at the top of my list of final thoughts yes fuck dan with every fiber of my being i like uh dora sphinx as a villain like it even in its limited airtime he's had he's had personality like you like you mentioned earlier like he's got a he's got a a set of ideals he knows what he's about he's got his personality as a as a game show host but also as a very prideful being, as we see when Geki uh, says that his answer is wrong and he has to fight for his answer. Yeah, like I, I know from having watched um, Die Ranger that this is actually like that having the monsters have like a human form is, is a, a trope in Sentai. Like this is not exclusive to Z Ranger or to, to Dora Sphinx. Like a lot of monsters have this. That's good to know. And I love it so much. I really like the monsters, like, having human forms and being able to act and emote and give body language that isn't possible in all the layers of rubber suit. Um, if anything, I think it makes them feel more menacing and not less. And I, I just really like Z-Ranger, you guys. I, I've really come to that conclusion, too. Like, I know it's we're only a few episodes into the season itself, but, like, I've I've enjoyed all the episodes I'm I'm always looking forward to the next one. Zio Ranger is very good. Super Sentai, very good actually. If you were wondering, um, and I'm I'm really excited to eventually check out like the other the other franchises, I guess, of fucking Japanese uh, Tokusatsu hero shows. Like, there's a lot of really good ones that don't get adapted here in the West, and I'm really excited to see what they're about. My big thing in this episode, I was really worried when we watched, uh, what was it, a pressing engagement, the last Mighty Morphin episode mm-hmm. that, that adapts this footage. Based on how much of it was Jason and Jason alone, I was really worried that when we got to this episode in Sentai, it was going to be Geki being brooding and antisocial, being a loner. Like, no, I don't need you guys. I'm going to do this on my own. And that's why it was such a, a, a solo Red Ranger episode. And I'm very, very pleasantly surprised that this isn't the case if anything like the team around geki was kind of like splintering into you know like self-centeredness and even self-righteousness like again like geki is the leader and gave may like a really solid plan to at least try and she was just like in that moment she was like no i'm gonna do this and like clearly that is not a healthy team dynamic and they have some growing pains to get through but Geki was fighting the whole time to hold everyone together, despite what he was going through personally, which I really appreciate. Again, I 
I like it when Red Rangers do dope-ass Red Ranger shit, um, and in particular when they do dope-ass Red Ranger shit for and with the team, and not just look at me, I'm the Red Ranger, and thus I'm the special one, like we get in, in a lot of later seasons of Power Rangers. And this was was absolutely top tier. Yeah, seeing seeing him be the leader and actually like trying to hold hold his people together, like as not so much as a a leader of a team or a a group of people, but as almost as almost as like a political leader, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, like not so much commander, but almost like an Alexander kind of uh, person. Now, you know that it is the year 2020. When you say Alexander, are you referring to the great or are you referring to the Hamilton? I am, I am referring to the great. <laughs> What's my name, man? All right. Well, well, that is that is scary riddles. It is a wrap. And that's going to be it for our show today. As always, we want to hear from you guys. Um, you can get at us by email uh, to bandorapod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this episode or of ZU Ranger as a whole. Or if you think that we've been overly harsh on Power Rangers, I want to be very, very clear, guys. We are directly comparing these shows. And as such, I, like I have kind of been given Power Rangers some shit because I feel like it compares unfavorably where I am in my life right now as a 33 year old man. I don't feel like the comparison is as great. I still fucking love Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, don't let anything that I am saying dissuade you from watching or enjoying Power Rangers. It is fucking radical. It is just, it's so easy after seeing them do some crazy, weird shit and then seeing it done right to be like, why Power Rangers? That's all. That's all it is. But it's still a good show and we still love it a lot. And that's why we're going to keep watching it, uh, even though Z Ranger is very good, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me second that. Like, I, I also very much love Power Rangers and we may we may like shit on it hard this season. But I will always come back to this well. I will always enjoy Power Rangers. It will always be something that just brings me a personal joy. And I love it as much as we may compare it unfavorably to its source. And and I will still say, even in this episode, like we got more character stuff in this episode, particularly for Geki, than we have in, I think, any of the episodes leading up to it. I will still take any of the characters in Mighty Morphin at this point over any of the characters in ZU Ranger because th there's so much more to them. Like they are, they are already so much more realized and fleshed out. And, you know, again, the pacing is clearly very different. And I'm sure that that's a factor of, of that. But there are things that Mighty Morphin does incredibly well. Indeed. But yeah. <laughs> you can email us to yell at us for being very, very mean to Billy uh, at bandorapod at gmail.com or, or tweet at us at bandorapod. Uh, if you'd like to tweet at me, you can do so at bbrjolly. And if you'd like to tweet at me, you can do so at pokerrangerpat. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch if you want to come and uh, like actually in person yell at me, or at least in real time yell at me. Also at pokerrangerpat. It's good stuff. And we will be back on Thursday and we'll be picking up right where we left off today and concluding another epic two-parter in Kyoryu Sentai ZU Ranger with episode six, Arise Daizuzen, which is 
a thing that I just had to say. And I'm guessing I'm going to have to say a lot because fuck my life. I'm calling my shot now that Dai's using is almost certainly Megazord. And I will be calling it Megazord because Dai's using is a thing to say. If if you watch the, uh, the episode preview uh, after the credits, you'll see that you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did not watch the episode preview, so I just slam dunked that shit. Um, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. As always, I have been Steven. And I'm Pat. And we have to go because we have, have a headache. headache.